my body is choosing to attack itself. I mean, how do you how do you fix that? Your body try, trying to damage itself? That is that is crazy. So I really have a a lot of empathy with anyone that's ever been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Welcome to the Zodok Podcast, where we explore the scriptures through creativity and tell stories of beauty from the ashes. Come and join us on this pilgrimage as we seek the Father's heart through Yeshua, the way, the truth, and the life. Shalom friends, welcome to the Zodok Podcast. It's so lucky to be in the studio or in the kitchen today with you on the show. My name is Edgar Judah. I'm coming to Hila. And we're so happy to be back on the podcast. We've been away from the podcast for, I don't know how long it's been. Feels like forever. Maybe three <laughs> months, I think. I'm I not think sure. it was I'll about to, three months. I'll have to go look, but I'm not sure. But there is a reason for it. There is a reason for it. One of the reasons is ESCOM. I'm sure the whole of South Africa knows um, the challenges you have with um, all the load shedding happening currently in the country. So we actually... Tried to do a couple of shows and then ESCOM dropped us. Yeah. In the middle of the show. Yes. So we left sorry in the dark. That. And then <laughs> there is a second reason also we haven't been recording is we moved to a new place a bit closer to the beach. And yeah, we just were busy packing and we've got three children. And yeah, it's not easy to to move with three children. Everybody yeah. that's juggling has done everything, that homeschooling and Mm. All the jazz yeah. of life <laughs> in between. <laughs> a lot of things happening. And then we've been busy on the blog. Carmen can maybe tell us what's happening on the blog. Mm. So our heart is to bring out more blogs, but we also know that everything must happen in Abbas time. And um, we have been writing quite a bit, um, but yeah, we're still busy editing and finalizing a few things and just resting, not striving in mm. producing the things that he has on his heart. But yeah, we have, we posted two new blog posts in the last two weeks. One of them being, um, yeah, it's written by our dear friend Renee and it's about forgiveness, which we find quite relevant with, uh, Yom Kippur, which, which is the day of atonement. And it, the heart of that is, is repentance and forgiveness. And so the blog post is about forgiveness and her, a testimony that she has that's really so powerful. Um, and just the challenges that we do have forgiving more than once. It's really such a process and a journey. Um, so yeah, you can go read that. And then I also wrote something about mercy and truth meeting together. There's a song that says mercy and truth has met together. It, it has kissed. And it's so beautiful for me. Um, and it's quite interesting because a few times in the word, a lot of times actually, the, the words mercy and truth go hand in hand. So I wrote something about that, just my own experience and um, just the way I see it and things things that's in my heart about that. The overflow of our hearts is what our blog is about and just um, you know, prompting the reader to journey with the Father about the topics that we are discussing and, yeah, just having conversation. It's almost like an invitation for for um, in, embarking on your own journey. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the main thing is to, to keep it fun and to keep it real, you know, um, not to do this out of a place of we have to do it. We want yes. to do this. And we enjoy doing this. It's just sometimes a challenge with yeah. life and Because we're not doing it full-time. <laughs> we're not doing it full-time. I've got a full-time job and yeah. Carmen, we, as I've said, we've got three children. And, and the manager of home operations. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Like, so I've got 
the easier job, to be honest. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, yeah, so we hope to to make podcasts more frequently, make mm. more blog posts. But yeah, life happens. But we don't want to do it out of a place of yes. we have to do it. Uh, we like to do it and we love doing something for the kingdom. But um, yeah, unfortunately, things happen. And today we have got something very cool. We've got a special guest, uh, Renee Lowings, which is one of the writers on the blog, is here with us in the kitchen studio today. Around we've the kitchen our, table. Yeah, we've got our <laughs> coffee ready, we've got our Bibles ready. What else have we got ready? Our hearts. Our hearts are ready. And yeah, when we return after the break, we're going to introduce her and just have a lack of conversation. Have you heard of Atava.com? The online shop for spiritful books, health products, essential oils, and handcrafted gifts. Visit us at atavah.com and discover something new. Atava.com Welcome back after the break. So, as we said, we have a really special guest in our studio today. We're having quite a lot of fun off, off air and now on the air as well. <laughs> and it is, it feels quite late at night. It's not that late while we're recording, but we had quite a fun day with kids and just some fun activities going to the beach and just enjoying amazing fellowship. But anyway, so as I was saying, we have a very special guest and I'm going to introduce her to you. Her name is Renee Lowings and she's one of our writers. But she's also a wife to her beloved, a skills development facilitator. That's a very important job. It's also known as being a mom, <laughs> a homeschool mom. Uh, just three wonderful boys. She's a writer, um, a blogger for the kingdom. And she has been designed with a passion for pottery, music, health and fermenting foods and a lot of other things as well, might I add. <laughs> Currently, she's working on sharing wisdom based on our creator's intricate design. And she has a Telegram channel as well. She sh- uh, on that, she shares um, some of the things that's, that she's passionate about, health. It's called Biblical Health and Wisdom, I think. Yeah. But yes, we'll share that in the, sh- in the show notes. So welcome, Renee. Thank you. It's so fun having you here. It's exciting to <laughs> be here. <laughs> yeah, this is the first we've been wanting to do this for quite a few months now. Mm. So we're really thankful for the opportunity. Yeah, being able to do so. So yeah, over to you, Edgar. I think Renee and her family are like just like a book full of testimonies. To be honest, so we're really privileged to talk to them today or to Renee. Um, Renee, just tell us a little bit of how did your faith journey start? Well, I can't really say that I can pinpoint a specific time in my life that I actually came to accept Jesus as Lord. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. You know, my parents had both done some mission work in their lives. My pa- my dad was always in the in the church's band. <laughs> so, you know, we, we attended church and we did the worship and, um, yeah, we, we just grew up and that was our normal. Um, went to a private Christian school for part of my primary school years. And, um, yeah, it was, it was sort of this, um, you know, you, you witness the, the Christian practices around you 
you don't know there's anything else, so you just sort of accept it. Um, and it's con- it continued in this mild Christianity. I, I did believe in God, and I actually had a few experiences as a child. Um, I saw an angel when I, when I was nine, and I was praying that they will actually guard our home. Um, oh, and then, and then, cool. yeah, like a guy jumped over the fence in that moment that I'm praying that the angels will stand around our home and guard our home. And he looked up and his whole face was just shining and he was fearful. He was terrified. Um, so, so I, I knew from a really young age that God existed, you know, so I never really doubted. Um, I just didn't know how that should be lived out. Hmm. So, um, I also obviously on the, on the other side, uh, there were a couple of open doors, I'm guessing generationally and stuff. And so I also witnessed a lot of the other side too. So I knew the spiritual battle was there. It was real, but that God was powerful and in control and that I could actually talk to him and I can request his protection and his provision because he has already revealed that to me, even at a young age. So I think the real big change in our faith journey came one year when we were actually going to a, a mission, yeah, sort of a, a mission outreach, but it's, it's, it's more of a holiday thing. You know, the students, they, they do this uh, strandings, they call it, and then, and then you go to beaches and then you like hold programs, Christian programs mm-hmm. for the, for the kids and the teens. And, um, we just wanted to blend in. I was married at that stage already. So we just wanted to blend in, you know, sort of fall <laughs> under the wing of another team. And um, the church leader told us uh, they need leaders for a team in Namibia. And we'd never done this before. But they said the biggest challenge in, in finding team leaders is cooperation between the two leaders. And mm. well, we're already married. <laughs> we, ha- we have to cooperate. <laughs> no <Not a> choice. <laughs> there is no choice. So um, we went to this uh, this completely desolate beach. It's literally it's it's beach and ocean, and and a long drop. <laughs> so 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 that's where you're at, and and you sleep basically on a mattress on the sand in a tent, and. Um, God just met us there in a really awesome way. He just he just revealed so much of himself and and the I felt like the distractions weren't there to to prevent us from hearing his voice. Mm. And um because we we were a very small team, we had to work really long hours and we were really sort of broken in the physical, but really in cheer in, in the spiritual and there is where where God met us and he really cha- challenged us in a new way to rely on him. So yeah, that's the that's a spiritual side. Um, the big physical testimonies, which sort of yeah, they hook into the spiritual very much. Um, in my personal life, well, that all happened after the the mission trip, and where God had challenged me to to start letting go of my control. Uh, we we fell pregnant the next year, about seven months after I decided I need to leave all my pools because God challenged me with that. Mm. And um, yeah, we had a beautiful pregnancy, beautiful firstborn, you know, everything seemed to be awesome, you know, living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then the next year in uh, 2015, everything just went south, like really, really went south. Um, we, we'd been trying for another baby because 
life was so beautiful with his firstborn. You know, he was mm. he was about five months when we decided, you know what, well, let's get the diapers and everything just done with. <laughs> and um, we really didn't consult Abba on that. We really didn't try to tune into what his heart was. And um, then then early the next year, we, we did fall pregnant. And at the same time, I had started a, a sort of a sideline job. And um, I, I was really sick from the pregnancy. I was severely sick from the pregnancy. I, I couldn't I couldn't eat much. It, it felt that the moment I found something that I could eat, um, something would happen. Uh, maggots in the biltong, for instance. Nice. Uh, yes, really, really random stuff that you would, wouldn't normally expect to happen. And then, then it felt like, it felt like I was literally living off like inner jade and bananas. <laughs> um, and, and in that time with all the stress of this new job and, and I'm pregnant now and, um, I can't eat anything. I developed severe acne, crazy stuff, even uh, like rapid heartbeat. It was part of the symptoms and I, I didn't understand what was going on. Um, then one morning I couldn't drive. So that was, that was really scary. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I was, I was busy driving my son to, to drop him off at daycare because it was one of the two half days that I worked that week. Mm. And suddenly the right side of my body just wouldn't function normally. Um, so a summary of that is, uh, we went through a bunch of tests and I was diagnosed with MS and, um, a couple of months later, uh, well, the pregnancy had progressed to about 14 weeks, which um, anyone that has been pregnant knows, you, you know, you're po- past the risk phase of, of just being a genetic anomaly. Um, usually miscarriages happen within the first trimester. So um, the day after my one of my friend's weddings, um, yeah, I had a miscarriage. And then that miscarriage, um, well, we, we, we had everything tested and then they told me that I could get cancer from the miscarriage. So it was like this MS, and then it was this miscarriage, and then it was this cancer. Wow. And um, yeah, that was that was just that was like a wreck of a year. And um, that was yeah, that was a turning point for us in a lot of things because suddenly we started putting everything under the magnifying glass. Because I was pregnant when I was diagnosed with MS, I couldn't actually do the treatments that the doctors wanted me to do. So I had a lot of breathing room to do my research. Hmm. And um, that had been my job, my temporary job for the month that I had it. (laughs) (laughs) It had been, I was a research assistant, so I learned a lot about research. And because I grew up with medically minded parents, I'd already been exposed to that. And then I had been the research assistant. So I just started doing research and um, it was, the focus was body, soul, spirit. Um, it was never just body or just what was going on in my emotional and my trauma and all that. So um, after the MS, we'd already done a lot of changes. And then um, after, the, after the miscarriage, um, then we'd done a lot of changes too. But when they told me that I could get cancer, then I sort of just, you know, I completely regressed uh, I, I withdrew mm. from the medical system because I'd done about two months of the blood tests to see if this was actually cancer and um, 
after all, I, I felt like they were just messing me around mm. and I was, I was paying financially and, and it was traumatic to have to go draw blood every week. And the more I did my research, the less I saw that this was an actual cancer. It was placental cells. And when I realized it was placental cells, but they were going to give me chemo anyway. Maybe just for the listener, what is placental cells? Okay. Because so, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you don't have a, you've never had a placenta in oh, your room. Oh, so it's like cells in your placenta. <laughs> yeah, also, yeah, yeah. And also MS. MS, uh, oh, multiple sclerosis. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So just yeah. Yeah, no, I realized um, that, well, I didn't know about MS, but it's been such a long part of the journey. I very, very often forget that people don't necessarily know what that is. Yeah. Yeah, because we we have known you so long. We are, we know yeah, just about. just another acronym. Yeah. So MS <laughs> is multiple sclerosis. What does yes. that entail? What okay. So um, basically, what you will see with MS um, is that they, they say it's an autoimmune disease. They say that your your own body is attacking your brain, and I had a real problem with that. I've got to be honest. Um, to imagine that my body is choosing to attack itself. I mean, mm. how do you? How do you fix that? Your body try, trying to damage itself? That is, that is crazy. So I really have a, a lot of empathy with anyone that's ever been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease because it's one of the most shocking things you face. It's like, how do you fix this? Mm. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was the multiple sclerosis and um, the placental cells I'm referring to are actually um, cells from the placenta of the baby which um, enters the bloodstream. And this is actually normal from what I've read, that the, the, the placental cells can enter the mother's mm. bloodstream, okay. um, but it can cause that certain hormones are higher for a period of time. And um, when the doctors monitor it and they find that it doesn't drop early enough, then, then they actually start giving you chemo for which you have to then take some form of birth control, which, which I don't believe is very healthy, um, for a year after the chemo has ended. So, so it's, it's, it's a really, really big roller coaster. Is that like the standard practice? That's no? the standard practice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really scary. No, no, that, that was really scary. So after the train wreck year of 2015, um, I must say our relationship grew intensely with Abba in that time. So beautifully. We learned so much about his design and um, we're still learning about his design. That journey isn't over. Um, but, but we really pressed into his heart about when we would have another baby because it was really our heart's desire to have more children. And, um, at the end of that year, we were pregnant again. And um, I'd, I'd suspected it for a long time, but I wasn't getting any positive results. And then by the time I finally got positive results, it was, it was quite late according to when I thought we were already expecting. Um, and and I'd, I'd actually received a lot of scripture where Abba just said that I could I can forget the shame that I've experienced. He will not let me go through that again. And um, any woman that has ever went through a miscarriage knows there's just something inside of you that 
that really has to choose to trust moment by moment that the next pregnancy is going to actually remain healthy and um, that, that that baby is meant to be there, you know, and really have to trust Abba because, because I was confronted with lies through all of this too, which is something I honor Abba with. I mean, if this doesn't happen, mm-hmm. I would still be living with those lies sort of entrenched deep inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we... When we experienced spotting, so that is that is a bit of blood for the listeners. I'm sorry if this is a lot of information. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I feel we're all grown-ups. So um, <laughs> when, we, when we thought we were having a miscarriage again, and I, I just refused, I stubbornly refused to, to believe that we were actually having a miscarriage again, but that fear like shot up and we went to the doctors anyway. And the baby was fine. The first scan, the baby's moving. Um, mm. Tiny, tiny, tiny baby, but it was also a really old machine, so they couldn't really measure, but they didn't mind. They just said, baby's fine. Um, we'll just give you something and you can go home. But oh, then I... How many weeks was that? Did oh, you that was at about 11. So <laughs> that was, that was still it. first trimester yeah. and still... So that's still why you were like really worried. I, yeah. I really felt worried to, mm. the, to the point of where I probably wouldn't even have listened if my husband said, you need to chill. <laughs> I, I, I would have been like, no, please. I Sounds need, like you want, I need to know. <laughs> yes, I, I have a very, very steady husband, and um, yeah, I've got to, I've got to encourage anyone that is unmarried in that. Abba has the perfect, perfect one for you. No, it's I couldn't, I couldn't have picked him better. <laughs> so um, yeah, trying to summarize that one. We thought we were having a miscarriage. The doctor that I went to see later that week didn't ask when I tested positive. He just did the scan. He said, mm, no, the baby's only five weeks big. I can't pick up a heartbeat. You're having a miscarriage. We've got to do a evacuation of the fetus. So this was then the second scan that you went for? That was the second okay. scan. It was two days after the first okay. scan where they saw a you know, a moving was, baby. And it was a different doctor. It was a different okay. doctor, yeah. The first time we went to the emergency unit and they okay. had a sort of an older machine and they couldn't yes. necessarily do all the measurements, but they saw movement. Yes. So, um, yeah, and, and the, moment, the moment he said, you know what, you pick the hospital, but we've got to do an evacuation – I literally heard the Holy Spirit inside me say, daughter, that's not the plan I have for you. Mm. And I'd been alone because I was so confident that there was nothing wrong that I I told you, honey, you can go have a haircut. (laughs) (laughs) You understand? So I I was really confident there was nothing wrong. So my spirit said, this baby is okay. And this doctor just proclaimed death. And um, I sort of... I sort of just disappeared after that from the medical system, I guess. And um, dear friends, um, dear fellow believers, um, actually confronted me with my fear. And um, I, I, I didn't know why, but I felt led to tell them this is the diagnosis. And um, I had a midwife friend, well, I still have a midwife friend, but Mm -hmm. at that stage, um, who had also also had a natural miscarriage. 
and I decided I'm just I'm just going to hear by her how does how does this work and I sort of accepted that fate that the doctor had spoken Mm -hmm. um but these friends of mine who who were a little bit deeper in the faith journey and the one of them is a doctor um said a baby of that size looks like a blob that isn't that isn't the reason to believe that the baby is dead because that was one mm-hmm. of the reasons I believed it is because the baby didn't look like a baby and because the baby was so small. And um, they, they just confronted me with this lie I'd been believing and this fear that I was having and I had to go and repent. I went to sit on this little hillside and I just repented because oh. I limited God in that moment. I really did. The, the God who opened the Red Sea... You know, that, that I limited him and brings the dead to life. Um, I mean, how, how dare I? <laughs> but I did. And I, and I repented and I just prayed that his will be done, however that may look. And I, um, Johanna and I really, really did purposefully and passionately sit by candlelight at night and go through our Bibles and we, and we read and we got scripture and, um, one of the first scriptures we got, I'd like to dive into uh, in another time, but it's um, Isaiah in Isaiah, and it, it says that to spread out, um, you know, your tent and lengthen your cords, for soon you will be bursting at the seams. Because I'd also been making pregnancy clothes for the first time, and um, I, I sort of felt like I don't know where to go with this, and mm. I just said continue as if you're pregnant, mm. and I did. Um, so yeah. I had this, I had this pregnancy and it was a really strange pregnancy and I, I learned a lot in the pregnancy and we wound up being pregnant for much longer than we thought we were going to be around seven months. The midwife uh, told us that she thinks we're exp- experiencing a very special kind of pregnancy, um, which a lot of, a lot of women actually have experienced we just don't know about it and um yeah that was that was a really big faith journey for us and and we wound up being pregnant for yeah for quite a long time and now you say you were pregnant for a very long time what do you mean by a long time well we were pregnant uh with our second for 22 months wow it must have been such a faith journey just to trust that Abba has got this under control. What were people saying at that stage? Were they like, you're crazy woman? Or? <laughs> well, sort of, sort of in the beginning. Um, look, in the beginning, I thought I was crazy too. Because <laughs> I, I really didn't understand. I didn't, I didn't feel that this pregnancy was growing as the previous one. The midwife said that she, she experiences the growth and everything. And she knew that I was pregnant and, and I felt pregnant. And... Um, you know, and then when she when she hit me with that information and I started sharing that, I mean, people did think we were crazy. And and because of just the journey, I really didn't trust um, the medical industry um, anymore. So I really didn't feel that I could go for verification. But also Abba challenged me not to go for verification anymore, to not control this, uh-huh. um, but just to trust him. And that's the first thing he said. When she told me... Um, Renee, uh, look into this extended gestation. Um, they call it a cryptic pregnancy at times. Hmm. Um, 
And uh, it really, really sounded weird. I mean, I've got to be honest, my cortisol levels started climbing. <laughs> um, and when I looked into it and I started panicking, because uh, this is sort of like, a, am I going to be indefinitely pregnant? I mean, they were talking about 22 months to five years. Um, and, and when I told people about that, they just sort of went into this space of refusing to believe it. Um, even Christians, which was strange to me that, that should, should be a believer, um, in miracles just because we serve the God of the impossible. Definitely. I just want to ask like that information, that cryptic pregnancy, do doctors tell you that or how freely available is that type of information? Do you have to go digging for it or? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we had to go digging for it. Um, I want to say that the books that the doctors are taught are, are very limited. Um, I think there are a lot of the listeners that have experienced situations that are not according to the book. And, um, yeah, then, then I have to challenge it with, but, what is Abba's design? What is Abba's design? I mean, um, this pregnancy, there, there was a high likelihood that the hormones in my body were not being produced in enough quantities for a healthy baby. Mm. There is a huge likelihood that the stress in our lives up until that point um, had made that, you know, the, that the baby sort of was hidden for, for a period of time. And, mm. and that is... Um, what the testimonies are of women that have and were experiencing this, these kind of pregnancies at that stage. And also, as time went by, uh, Abba really sent me friends who, who knew of mammals in the wild whose gestational periods were extended by months simply because it didn't rain. So this wasn't so strange after all, but yeah. in our Western culture... If the baby isn't growing according to what the book says the baby should be at. Um, it reminds yeah. me in a way of Mary's pregnancy with Yeshua. Yeah. Because it was also unnatural, like in inverted commas. Yes. It wasn't according to what people were used to. But um, I think it's in Luke where the angel actually says, is anything impossible? Yes. There's yes. nothing impossible for the God that we serve. Yeah. And... We knew you quite a bit of that. For we didn't know you that well, but we we met you at the beginning of that pregnancy, at the beginning of the journey, and yeah. we saw um, most of that pregnancy. And at the end, your son being born, we weren't there for the birth, but we saw <laughs> we saw the evidence. And I think it's such a good reminder of not limiting God, because yeah. in, in a lot of circumstances we. We try to figure it out according to our best knowledge. But the thing about knowledge is it can just puff up mm. if it's done in the wrong way. And that's why it needs to go with who our God is because then it can become wisdom and then we can apply it in the right way. And that's what he, he took you on a journey of wisdom because at any given point in that pregnancy, you could have panicked severely, <laughs> given over to your flesh, just, you know, resorted back to the medical where God clearly showed you, no, it's not the journey. And it's not no. necessarily everybody's journey, but no, it was yeah. your journey. And the Lord clearly showed you and you were obedient because you loved him and you and you trusted him. You you just knew that he, he knew better. 
Yeah, um, I must say there were there were times where I really struggled in that. Um, there were times where I'd I'd sort of go through my day and I have this swollen belly and I and I feel this movement, but I don't know when this baby is going to be born. And at times, the anxiety um, in my flesh was so bad that I actually just asked, oh, well, could this please just end? You know, I don't want you, if there's a baby, which I trust there is, but I don't want you to kill the baby. I just, I just want this to end because it was this constant having to choose to lay down the toxic thoughts, uh, which, which were in my mind already and were being sown. Um, Edgar, in, in answer to your question to how people reacted to it, there were a lot of fears being sown from the external. Um, and, and it was, it was really a struggle, but at a stage, my prayer became, I want a stubborn faith. Please just give me a stubborn faith. Mm. One that'll go like, Oh, no, you know what? We're pushing through anyway. Um, no matter what people said, it's like, you know what? We're going our own way because we, we're listening to what I was said. And, um, yeah, along with that stubborn faith just came this reality that, the, that that which I was choosing in that moment wasn't the question of, am I going for a sonar or not? It was a question of, am I going to invest in my comfort or in the kingdom with my choice? Because it was a, it was a choice about, am I going to have an inter- eternal investment in this moment instead of just giving into my my fear and my need to control and monitor the situation, you know. Um, so we had very faithful friends. I've really blessed us with faithful friends who walked the journey with us. But I must say the most of the people in our lives were actually removed for a period of time. They they mm-hmm. just um because we didn't do the MS you know, we didn't do the multiple sclerosis treatments, which the doctors prescribed. Then we we found out this bunch of information about uh, why the miscarriage happened, um, which was linked to my previous years of being on birth control medication. Um, and then we discovered a bunch of cancer information also, and we just decided to continue continue in this journey of not doing what the doctors say we should do (laughs) and then we had this pregnancy and we decided we're still not gonna Mm. do what the doctors say we do where where people actually would say you know how do you even know there's a baby in there Mm. and I'm like I feel the baby move (laughs) like (laughs) like you see like ago they weren't going to the doctor to see the heartbeats you know Mm. you you just you knew because it's a natural process so um there was a ridiculous phase and you can really laugh about this because it was it was laughable in that phase of our life that I actually went to like a birthday party of a family member and there's this huge family gathering and I'm in full bloom and I'm (laughs) glowing you know I'm really really pregnant and nobody asked, how's it going with the pregnancy? I was literally the elephant in the room. Well, <laughs> I was literally. <laughs> unintended because the elephants are pregnant for 22. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. I've been guiding us through this. Mm. Um, 
he's been so faithful even when we couldn't see it because three times there was the the message of the elephants in my pregnancy uh, a friend had sent me a message about uh, the elephant's pregnancy versus the dog's pregnancy and the dog eventually asked the elephant you know what you you said you're pregnant but you know we're not seeing any evidence <laughs> and um the elephant said you know when my baby comes my baby's gonna rock the earth wow, and that's um cool. yeah that that was really cool and i see that in <laughs> yes. In this gentle, quiet, very powerful way. Yes. He likes rocks. Yeah. He does. <laughs> he does. He does like rocks and sand and stuff. Um, so twice I received that message, several months apart. And when, when a friend of mine heard that, that we have this indefinite pregnancy, uh, you know, indefinite gestation uh, due date, um, then she said, you know what? That reminds me of an elephant. And I still didn't get it. I don't know why I didn't get it. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to focus in the moment and just, just focus on trusting for today. Just, just, yeah. just going through this day and trying to trust today. So I really did a lot of affirmations as we got verses. I just stuck them all over my wall so that my, my whole consciousness would just be filled with Abba's, um, Abba's words and, um, just trusting him and yeah. So, so here around month 22, as most pregnant moms, I was really fed up with <laughs> carrying carrying our baby. Um, but but Abba really met us in that place, and yeah, he he was born, and we really had this miraculous journey, and there was a really big testimony. But it's not something that we we really felt we could share broadly up until this point in our lives. I think Abba's been leading us for a long time. Yeah. Oh, to so, to get this out loud. So is this the the first time you're sharing this testimony? Yeah, on this actually. Scale? Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm so privileged to hear it from start to finish. So yes, thank you. Are. Yeah, I'm grateful that you guys are part of it because you were actually a really big part of the entire journey. It was very encouraging to know you. And I think it's such a privilege to see your boys and and the way you can see that seeds that you've sown in the past yeah. how. That's really been something that's, um, special in your family, how they, they all have that seed of faith within them. Um, it's just so special to see that. And, and I mean, you guys sown it in a very difficult time period. So yeah, praise, praise our father for that. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Friends, we would like Renee to share her MS, uh, multiple sclerosis testimony as well, but I think we're running out of time for tonight. Mm. So I just want to thank Renee for just this amazing testimony about your boy's name is Thomas. And is there, is there a specific reason? <laughs> wow. Um, well, first of all, doubting Thomas, right? Mm. Doubting Thomas. So many times people said to us during the pregnancy, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> and and actually we didn't we didn't choose the name um i i actually had dreams in the pregnancy of a little boy and um his his spiritual name given to us is moses but it was given to us much later after his birth and there was a dream about that too but the name thomas actually came from a dream where i was pregnant and I had a boy. And <laughs> the boy had black hair. He had, had jet black hair and his name was Thomas. So in the dream, this boy's name was Thomas. And when Thomas was born, he had jet black hair. Mm. 
He lost it wow. two weeks later and it grew out <laughs> white. <laughs> well, isn't that very significant? That's so beautiful. As well, as well too. Ooh, that's amazing. So we're going to go for an ice cream break now. Awesome. <laughs> we'll, come, yes, we'll come back to the table and record part two. In him, we live and move and have our being. Shalom. Thank you for joining us on the Zadok podcast. For more info, blogs, music, or other creative content, visit our website at zadok.com.